we finished two parts, and today was going to be part three on uh, Genesis. We talked about God initially, three three-letter words, God, and then man, and then sin. But we have evidence of sin all around us right now. This is an object lesson of sin. So I'm not going to spend time talking about that. I want to talk to us. I want to exhort us a little bit, encourage us about how to respond to what's happening right now. All right? Uh, this isn't new, everybody. This isn't new. We actually went through this not too long ago, 17 years ago. Who remembers SARS? Yeah, the older folks like Ian in the room uh, <laughs> remember SARS. And I was working at the airport church at that time. I was one of the accountants. Um, at the church at that time, 17 years ago, and uh, this thing happened, and like overnight, just as how we're seeing it now, overnight, uh, the city of Toronto shut down. And again, for most of most of us, in some ways, it was it was good. And everybody who was in charge of making these very weighty decisions were trying to do their very best. Uh, but it always felt like it was just over the top. All right, but we trust. What, how God is leading these guys. We, I mean, the Bible talks about us responding in, in obedience and being submissive to our leaders, right? So we do that, unless, of course, they say we can't worship Jesus. That's a different story. But we, we do respond, um, you know, graciously to what they're trying to accomplish. So, yeah, so when SARS happened, everything shut down. Uh, we had some friends with us. We drove them to Niagara Falls in May, Niagara Falls in May. The place was deserted, man. It was freaky. We took them to a restaurant downtown Toronto on the, on the harbor front. We were the only people in the restaurant. So the, this, kind of, this kind of stuff that's happening right now is really is not new. It's happened in the past. It will happen in the future. It will pass, everybody. This is a temporary thing. It'll only, who knows how long it'll last. SARS went on for about eight months. I mean, globally, who, who knows how long this will go. But um, we are, here's what I want to say. I want to say three things. First of all, this could be the church's finest hour. There was another crisis that happened uh, not too long ago. It was a regional thing. Katrina. How many people remember Katrina, the, the hurricane and the flooding in New Orleans? Within two weeks of that happening in New Orleans, Elsie and I, at that time we were doing uh, missions. We were leading up the missions department at the airport church. And so we took, for six months, we took teams down uh, once a month to uh, New Orleans. And within two weeks of, of the crisis, we were there. And we, we were feeding. We even fed, like the police force, we fed the fire people, we fed FEMA, and uh, we, were, we were working with a local church that wasn't damaged, it became sort of like a, a depot for supplies and everything else, and the point I want to make there is that at that time, you can ask even the secular media and secular people, and they would say that the church was like a shining light, because Christians from all over the world, not just from New Orleans, but all over America, all over Canada, went down to, to, to serve. And they did a phenomenal job, even better than what the people were saying FEMA was doing. And so at that time, the church really rose to the occasion. Again, I know it's different. This is a global pandemic. 
And it's a pandemic not because of the fact that many people are dying, people are, are dying, but it's a pandemic because they're saying it's so contagious at the moment. And there's no response, there's no vaccines yet. So they're doing their best to try to manage everything. But we as a church, my friends, we, if we respond rightly to this, this could be our most glorious hour. I was saying to uh, somebody, by the way, the prayer, the prayer meeting this morning upstairs was on fire. You guys were cooking with gas, and I love it. I lo God bless this church. God bless the people of this church. God bless the ones who are so going for it, man. I would call, call out names, but that would be calling out almost everybody's name. Um, but this church is really going for it. I'm very, very happy to be part of a church like this. That's, that's wanting to make a difference. That's wanting to represent Jesus well. It's wanting to go after the heart of God. I love it. I love it. People were just praying up a storm. I mentioned to one of them that this verse uh, came to mind. It's a uh, King James or New King James uh, uh, version. Uh, but it says something along the these lines, in the day of your power, your people will volunteer, your people will step up. He was talking about going to battle. Isaiah was talking about going to battle. In the day of your power, when we see that demonstration of your power, your people will rise up. And this is the day of God's power, everybody. You may think, you may not think it is. If you look with the eyes of this world, it's all scary. But this is the day of God's power. This is when the people of God could be able, I say could, because we have to make a choice, could be able to rise up and to become the shining light that we've always been meant to be. Globally, but I'm speaking specifically about us here in Scarborough, in the city of Toronto. We can make a difference, everybody. I totally, totally believe that with all of my heart. One of the things they said about the, about the church down in, um, in New Orleans during Katrina was that they saw the gospel in action. They saw love in action. I'm going to be, let me give you a quick illustration. So we get there two weeks into it, and so it's, you know, where people are coming back into the city after the crisis, and there's long lineups of cars down the street, and they would drive into the church parking, church um, driveway, and then somebody would meet them and say, what would you like? Do you want diapers? Do you want canned foods? What do you want? And they would give you a list, and then you would write that list. You would do, have a walkie-talkie. You would tell the people in the, in the warehouse, the makeshift warehouse, that this car wants this. And then by the time the car drives around to the next window, they would have a, a box ready. And there were thousands of cars each day. And so I'm saying to myself, God, you know, I, I, this is great, we're helping people, but is there a way that I can let people know that this is not just a humanitarian thing that I'm doing? I'm here because I want to represent Jesus. And so the thought that came to mind, and, and, and so what I shared with every single person in every car that I was dealing with was, uh, we're doing this because we want you to know that Jesus really loves you, and this is the best way I can tell you right now. And I, I had some very interesting responses, right? For some people, it's, if Jesus loved me, why did this happen to me? Typical. Or if, uh, you know, I, I don't really care. We had Buddhists. We had all kinds of different people coming through. But there were so many people who were actually touched by that. And, and they would even get a little bit uh, emotional about it. All that to say is that we can, we can devise, God can give us ways, creative ways of bringing hope 
bringing peace, bringing salvation, the good news of Jesus to people in this hour. Everybody is shaking, people, everybody is shaking. You know, we went walking down our street uh, on Young Street where we lived the other day. And uh, I was thinking, my gosh, the business community is going to be so affected by this. It was back in SARS. Even our church was, was significantly affected. But the businesses are going to be affected as well. You know, there's a guy who used to be my personal trainer. Everybody knows my story. I went to this guy for 10, for 10 sessions to get me in shape. He failed miserably, but he's a nice guy. And I'm thinking, a small business like that, man, where, you know, who knows if he's got savings or whatever. I'm just saying that people will have different responses to this crisis. And a lot of it will be that they'll be affected financially. Their economic lives will be deeply affected. Of course, health, people are desperately concerned about their health right now. And just, just an overall sense that people are getting in touch with the fragility of human life, aren't they? You know, we used to, we used to puff at our chest and say we're great and we, we, we're, we're displacing God with, with, a, with, a, with a sense of, you know, humanism, right? We are masters of our own destiny, right? And we can do our own stuff. But now that's shaking. A little minuscule, uh, invisible thing is wrecking havoc across the the whole nation, uh, across the whole globe. And people are getting in touch with, with their own fragility. They're wondering if they'll make it. And we can bring life. We can bring hope, can't we? So that, that's my first point. This could be our, our, the church's finest hour. But, but, big but, everybody, we have to have a heavenly perspective. We have to have a heavenly, heavenly perspective. Everybody is reading Psalm 91. All of a sudden, Psalm 91 is the only, by, only verse in the Bible, only passage in the Bible people know. Psalm 91. I love it. I want to read three pieces of scripture to you. And I want to show you um, a sort of requirement, a prerequisite for us having the benefits. Because I don't believe, folks... Here's my big point. I don't believe that what Psalm 91, what Psalm 27, what Psalm 131 is offering us, I don't believe it's automatic. Here's what Psalm 91 starts off by saying. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say choice. I will say, I'm making a choice. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. My God in whom I trust. That's not just language anymore, is it? We're in a situation where, where everything is being sifted. Everything is being shaken. And the, and the power of the word of God will only be manifested when we believe it in our hearts not just saying it with our lips. We have, to really be, we have to really be believing that God is the God that I can fully trust. We, can really, we have to say from our hearts, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse three, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence, which is currently called coronavirus, C -O, you know, uh, uh, COVID-19. 
He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of, of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. So the point there is this. If you dwell, if your heart attitude is to dwell in the presence of God, then we can embrace the promise of God. Then we can believe that he's actually going to watch over us. He's actually going to protect us. He's actually going to take care of us. I want to give you a personal illustration. The very first time I was going to go to India was the year 2000. First time I went to India. And I'd never been there before. I'd read lots about it. My ancestry is Indian. Um, but I was, going to, I was going to go on mission to India. And um, this is uh, in the year 2000. I was at the airport church, evening meeting. And I'm just sitting there with my Bible. Back in those days, I had a paper Bible. I was, I was, just, I was just sitting there waiting for the service to start. And I'm saying, God, tomorrow morning, the four of us are heading out to India. And I know that in, the, in your way of doing things, in the economy of God, there are martyrs and people suffer and people die for the cause of Jesus. And I'm mulling over these things. So I really can't, I really can't have a guarantee. Some people die for you. Some people live for you. And um, so I'm, flipping, I'm, just, I'm just flipping through my Bible and I'm thinking these thoughts. And uh, I'm also con contemplating the fact that this was just after uh, an Australian missionary to India. I'm not sure if you know the story. Back in 1999, this man, who he, he and his family, he and his wife and family were serving in this part of uh, India, and uh, they were killed. They were actually surrounded by a mob of people, and they were there. The guy was in his jeep having a nap with his two sons. Fire, they died, and so that was fresh in my mind. I'm saying all that to, to get to the point, and the point is this. As I'm flipping through my Bible, my Bible sort of opened up to Psalm 91. And as I'm asking God, Lord, am I going to be, am I going to be ones that have to suffer? Right? I don't even want to get sick on Indian food, man. Um, sorry for all the Indians in the room. I love Indian food. Um, I, so I don't want to get, you know, am I going to be, do I have to suffer in any way? And my, my, my Bible opened up to this verse I just read to you. And I felt the Lord saying to me personally, you get what you have faith for. You get what you have faith for. If you believe in your heart that you will be protected because of this God who tells us he is our protector. He's the one who watches over us. If you believe that in your heart, you will have protection. If you don't, well then you're wide open, right? Here's another verse. Everybody knows that Psalm 27 is my most favorite passage of all of Scripture, uh, on a good day anyway. Psalm 27, verse 4 and 5. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Everybody say, dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I love that. This is a cry of David 
our favorite Old Testament character, King David, he was saying, God, if you were a genie and you're not, and if you came to me and said, you, you, you only have one wish, here's the wish I'm going to ask for, that I may dwell in your house, that I may be in your presence, I may gaze on your beauty all the days of my life. That was his, the deepest heart cry of David. He, a cry for intimacy, a cry for knowing God beyond cultural religion, beyond going through the, most, the motions of religion, but knowing God in the depths of who he is. And the next verse is verse 5. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Again, there's a connection between intimacy with God, desiring to be in God's presence, having a heart posture. We're not talking about being perfect or not, maybe not even talking about the mechanics of how do you be in God's presence, you know, read the Bible and pray. That's all part of it. But the, fundamentally, it's having a heart of devotion to God, having a heart of wanting God. I want to, I love you, Jesus. In developing, inculcating a heart where you're, you're, you're yearning for the person of God and longing to be in his presence. I, God sees that more than anything else. He sees that. He sees our heart of devotion to him. And when we have that sort of relationship with him, when we have that sort of confidence in him, then we can have confidence in part two. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. Amen? Psalm 131, everybody. Another Psalm of David. And I like this Psalm because it's only three verses long. Here is the great King David. Here's what the King David, King David says. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, Kashafari Scarborough, put your trust in the Lord, both now and forevermore. See, same deal, everybody, same deal. David is saying here, listen, uh, I'm a great king, everybody. If you didn't know this, I'm a great king. I've accomplished much. And because of that, I could give in to pride. Look at all my accomplishments. Look at all the, look at all the, the enemies. Look at all the nations I've overcome in the name of the Lord. Give me a pat on the back. I'm awesome. He could have done that. Other kings have done that. Other lesser kings have done it, have they not? Remember Uzziah, the guy who started off well, but towards the end of his life, he got so proud of what he felt he had achieved and disregarded the fact that it was God who was using his hand. He, towards the end of his life, he wanted to make a sacrifice in the temple, and he goes in there trying to do the job of a priest. And the prophet came and the priest came and said, listen, man, you can't do that. You're a king. You're not meant to do this. He says, just leave me alone. He got struck with, with leprosy. And he ended up dying and being buried outside of his fa you know, where his family would normally be buried. 
That's King Uzziah. Remember, your, the, the other famous one is uh, Hezekiah. Who remembers Hezekiah? He prayed, God gave him 50 more years. But towards the end of his life, he actually became a proud man. But David, our friend, friend after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart, the guy that we want to emulate, right? He said, my heart is not haughty, or my heart is not uh, proud, my eyes are not haughty, I do not concern myself. And I looked up in the, in, the, in the Hebrew just because I want you to know that I can press a few buttons on my Bible and see what the Hebrew says. And the Hebrew says that it's like a walking around. The word is halak in Hebrew. He's walking around. I do not concern myself, right? I don't walk around like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm not walking around with my head down thinking, oh my gosh, what do I need to do? Don't get me wrong, David was a king and he had to make major decisions on a regular basis as a king. He would gather every day his cabinet, his cabinet, gather them around, and they would make big decisions about the nations and the nations around. But he says, even though this is my role, I am not going to let that become a weight on me. I'm not going to make this a heavy load on me, even though the world is swirling around me. I'm not going to let the swirl of the world affect my heart posture, which is to be like a weaned child. I have calmed, here, here it is again, I have, I have, it's his choice, it's a choice of the will that he makes. I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. What a beautiful picture, what a gorgeous image of this child. Uh, at first I used to, it was a bit of cognitive, cognitive dissonance because I'm thinking, why, why does he say a weaned child? Because most of you would know that a weaned child is a child who doesn't feed from its mother's breast anymore. You're all aware of that, biology 101, right? A weaned child is not a child that is feeding, that requires food from its mother's breast. But, it, but David is saying, I am like a weaned child. So I said, Holy Spirit, what the heck? What's going on here, Holy Spirit? And he says this to me, because he's doing it out of choice, not out of necessity. A child who isn't weaned of necessity has to be at his mother's breast. A child who is weaned, if he's in that place of peace and comfort and safety, is because he's making a choice to be there. Does that make sense? Not somebody. Otherwise, I have to pull, pull a Bill Johnson on you. That's a great point, the Ramesh. Nice job. All I'm, I'm saying all of, all of this because, here's my challenge, everybody. Here's my challenge. You and I, nobody in this room, but you and I know born again, Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians who don't live in that place. I don't always live in that place. There are things that trouble me, right? But the point is that's my goal. My goal is to live in that place where I am living under the shelter of God's presence. Right? Psalm 91, dwelling in a secret place, 
Psalm 27, dwelling in the house of the Lord. And everybody knows that dwelling means actually living there, not visiting it for vacation time or only when life is good. Dwelling in the house of the Lord like a weaned child. With all, these beautiful all this beautiful imagery of, of, of choosing to live in that, in that place of deep relationship, deep friendship with God, intimacy with God. And it's only there, only then, can we claim the promises that God, God is offering us. And you and I know that there are Christians around, wonderful believers, but who are actually potentially giving in to fear and having a worldly perspective on what's happening right now. I'm offering us a challenge to pursue God in this day, in this hour, so that we have a heavenly perspective on what's happening. So we see what's happening as the day of God's power. God is not frazzled by this. Did you know that? God is not frazzled by what's happening. Oh my gosh, Corona. This crown is trying to take my crown. No, no, no. God is not at all troubled by this. He's using this for his purpose. And the church, he's hoping and longing and cajoling and wooing the church to a place where we are in agreement with what he's doing. And of course, his ultimate goal is to bring people to know Jesus. Amen? So I would say, let's, let's seize the moment, everybody. Let's push into God. Let's press into him. Let's, let's, let's seek him more. In the midst of all the sifting, let the stuff that really doesn't count, let the stuff that really doesn't count, let it go. Even the cultural Christian stuff that we do all the time, that we end up doing just out of rote and out of ritual, let's find the gold in the, in, in, in the truth of God's word. That he's good to us. He wants to bless us. He wants to do good for us. He's a good father. He wants to protect us. He wants to watch over us. He wants to use us to be a shining light in this day, in this hour. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just say this. Um, some of you are visitors. I don't know who you are. Some of you I do know. Let me just give you, let me just throw this thought out. What's the worst case scenario? for a Christian. What's the worst case scenario for a Christian? There's no worst case scenario because you because 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 you suppose if you suppose if you contract the uh, the virus and suppose if you're el you know older or your immune system is compromised or whatever and you end up dying. All right? What's going to happen to you, man? You'll be with Jesus. Is that, I'm, not, I'm not saying morbidly that we have to desire that, but is that part of your thinking process? Are you afraid of death? You can't. We ought not to be afraid of de de death. We really ought not to be afraid of death because, because death for, for the Christian is just rebirth into a new glorious life. That is the teaching of the Bible. That is what, that's, that's why we're Christians, because we believe this to be true, isn't it? Well, if that's testing, if you examine your heart and, you're, and that's testing you, testing your confidence in God's word in your life, um, 
talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to a Christian. Talk to somebody who, who, is really, who really believes this to be true. Again, we're not going to be morbidly trying to, you know, do crazy stuff. We're going to take all the precautions. But um, we aren't going to be afraid of dying. This is another test, everybody. This is another test of how strongly, how powerfully, or how fundamental our, our confidence in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's being tested. Isn't it? So let's pass the test. Let's pass the test. <sighs> Let me just say just a few more things before we spend some time praying. One of our friends, Lillian Brown, was at the airport church. Uh, she put up a story on Facebook about how Lillian Brown is not just brown in name, but she's also brown in color, okay? And so she goes into a, place, a store, and long story short is that somebody says something derogatory about for being a foreigner or whatever, and she, she fluffed it off. She is a gracious woman. She blessed the person, forgave them, da-da-da. But that's just an illustration of what could happen when this kind of fear takes, people's, takes over people's minds. That very quickly we go from being we to being me. It's not about us as, as, as Canadians or us about, you know, people living on this planet together. It's about you are different from me and, and the walls go up. I have to protect myself, protect my family. So for us as believers, I wonder if we can, if we can um, take the posture of being concerned, not just for ourselves, but for the other, our neighbors, our friends, the people that we have contact with. Can we have a a desire to see them blessed as well. I'm thinking, in our church, I'm thinking specifically of some of the older folks. Most of them aren't here. There's generally a section of older ladies over here. Ken and Joan aren't here. Um, um, but can we think about, you know, giving them a call or asking, do you need anything from the store? Can we get something? My, our team is amazing, man. A couple, I was wondering if, Sybil was thinking we're older, so we shouldn't, you know. We're not that old, man. We can still do stuff by ourselves. But he's, calling, but he, but he's saying, Pastor, do you want, do you need anything? I'm going, I'm going to No Frills or whatever. I'm going to Costco. Do you need anything? So sweet. Ask the older people. Don't ask us. I'm just. <laughs> okay, so we are not. I think you've heard the, the thing, the, the, the people, we rent this place, for those of you who don't know, we rent this place on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, and we'll not be able to use it for the next, at least next three Sundays, because they're, they've, they met together and they've decided that they close this place down for any public meetings. And so, what we will be doing as a result of that is, is we'll find some creative ways of offering connection, because we're all about connection, all right? So, Kayan's already mentioned that we have the communion uh, thing that we do bright and early at 6.15 on every morning, Monday to Saturday. We, I guess we'll have to do it on Sundays as well now. So, every single day, 6.15 to 6.30, we'll have communion. And you can log into Facebook Live and check us out. Do you have to be a Facebook member to a Facebook person? No. 
Yeah. Right. You don't have to be a Facebook uh, subscriber to actually see it, but you can talk to Cayenne about the details. And then also, I guess in the evening, we'll have a prayer time as well, uh, where we gather together. This is, we are going to go into some prayers in a few minutes. Is my slide almost ready, Dan? Yeah, just, I'll give you a signal. Uh, we wanted to, to pray about a couple of things as well. And um, so prayer is going to be important. Meeting together over Zoom, we'll find creative ways. Uh, we will, I think we will keep live streaming a service. We had talked, uh, the team, we had talked about uh, meeting together in somebody's home, taking our equipment, and then live streaming the worship, uh, the preaching, and, uh, and just have that going on Sundays. But we just heard that potentially Jamie could allow us, just a handful of us, not the whole congregation, just a handful of us to have our meeting here. Just have the worship, have the preacher. How are we going to do the offering? Thank God for, uh, thank God for um, uh, uh, planning center. Yeah, can I encourage you, by the way, to not stop giving. Uh, you know, um, the church still needs to keep going. There's big salaries to be, to be paid. Uh, we still, we're still renting this place. I guess we'll get our money back, are we? I don't know. But, but anyway, so please, please, fundamentally, please keep giving. Because, because A, it's the right thing to do, but also we need to keep the church going. Amen? So please, giving, please keep giving. And those of you who need help, if you aren't on Planning Center, which is the easiest way to give, Please get on Planning Center. I know some people prefer to give by check, but uh, fundamentally it's, it's really the, the best, least administratively involved way for us to keep track of, of your giving. So Planning Center is highly recommended. Okay? <sighs> Be bold in love, everybody. Be bold in love. Let's ask God to give us opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. Let's seize the moment. People's hearts are wide open for the most part. People's hearts are wide open right now. And the conversations can be so easily uh, started. We start with toilet paper and we end up talking with Jesus. Wouldn't take very long. Let's just do it. Let's just talk to people about Jesus. Just tell them about Jesus. Just be bold. Ask God to give you opportunities. Ask God to give you moments with people where you can tell them about Jesus, the hope that I have. You remember First Peter talks about uh, be ready to always tell people in season and out of season about the hope that you have. Are you guys filled with hope? Are you, are you hopeful that God will watch over you, protect you, keep you safe? Are you hopeful that if you end up dying, you go to be with Jesus forevermore in a far better place? People need that kind of hope right now. They need a solid foundation, a solid ground. Let's pray for people to be healed. Everybody, let's pray for people to be healed. Let's go after it. Let's push into it. Let's just pray, pray for people to be healed. God will do it. Okay. Um, on that note, uh, Jamie came. Uh, he's our property manager, and he came to the door and um, I said, how are you doing? And he said, well, 
And then he burst out crying. And he says, I've just recovered from two bouts of pneumonia. And if I get this, I'm dead. And he was just weeping. And I said, well, as a church congregation, we will pray for you. And so we do that right now. Father, we pray for, um, for that curtain to be pulled back and that Jamie would encounter you as his own personal Savior. And Father, we ask that, that we would be a shining light um, in Jamie's life personally. Lord, we call him into the kingdom of God. And Lord, let the love and the presence, your presence that moved him this morning, let that continue in Jesus' name. Um, it's Elsie, you were mentioning a Kim, and um, the person who is leading this building is Jamie and Kim. So if you Kim want to pray into that. Yes, Father, we include Kim. Lord, we, we lasso her and bring her into the kingdom of God. Lord, we just, uh, we thank you that you are on the move and move our hearts in this direction. Lord, keep us sensitized to what it is that, uh, or who it is that's in um, in your crosshairs, so to speak. Amen. Okay, so we'll have um, more information coming out as we sort things out. But we, we are going to encourage you, can you please meet together in small groups? And there are some connect groups already in existence. But go beyond the formality of, you know, connect groups and meet together with each other in people's homes. Pray with each other. Open up the Bible. Uh, edify each other. Prophesy with each other. Pray for each other. Bless each other, okay, until we meet again in person whenever that happens. Sounds good? Here's what I'd like us to do. Just spend a few more minutes praying. I put up, a, if you can put a slide up. I have, a, just keep going to the last one. Yeah. All the way through. Five points, five things that we, uh, would be helpful or good for us to be praying into. First of all is praying for wisdom and insight for the medical and research teams that are looking for a solution. Like I said, there's no, one of the reasons why, why they're so concerned about this is that there's no vaccine, no way of treating um, this current coronavirus. So if we, if we can pray that God would give them wisdom. Apparently there's three people from the University of Toronto coupled with uh, Sunnybrook who are actually have just isolated the uh, thing and whatever. But, but pray, I'm, I obviously don't know what I'm talking about, but, but uh, I saw that on Facebook recently, the three people from Toronto, U of T. Anyway, pray for there to be a solution to this. That's, that's a big deal. And then pray for the medical staff. I mean, it, this thing is going to continue, and already doctors and, and um, nurses and other medical teams are being pushed to the limit. Imagine if this, if this continues, how much worse it will be. So pray for strength, pray for grace, pray for help for, for them. And three, pray for businesses and others who will be affected econ economically by this crisis. There will be a lot of people affected by it. It's going to touch every aspect of society. And then four, pray, for, pray to look, or oh, pray for people to look in the right direction. What's the right direction, everybody? Jesus. Jesus, looking upon Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. <sighs> Ask the Holy Spirit to move on people's hearts that they would be able to see Jesus and to begin to look 
to Jesus for the answers. And then fifthly, for the church to arise as a shining light in this hour of darkness and fear and confusion. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, I tell you, this really is the day of power, everybody. This is the day of power. God is on the move. God is going to use this thing, this global pandemic, to bring a global revival. The global revival that we've been hearing about for so long. This is part and parcel of it. This is part and parcel of it. Amen? So are we able to, to stand up and gather together in groups of three and four and just spend a few minutes praying into these five points? If you have specific personal situations, please include that as well. Yeah, and after we finish praying, then we'll have communion together as the very last thing that we do.